Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 it's election day. I'm Tiffany. I need to be sure we're recording. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. I am Mandy. Hey, y'all. And this is Brown Brown Ambition. Ambition. Oh, my goodness. So riddle me this, Mandra. Have you ever seen so much fever for midterm elections before? I've never felt I, I was talking to someone today and I was like, I don't even think and I'll I'll put myself out there. I'm sure I'm not alone. I don't think I've ever voted in a midterm election. Me too. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I was thinking that to myself. I'm like, have I ever voted in a midterm election? Maybe because my dad's like really civic minded. So like I know there's definitely times he's like, You go vote. But honestly, when I tell you I I've never seen so many people like young and old, I went to go vote because, of course, like I'm 18 and I still vote in Westfield <laughs> where I went to high school. Oh, <laughs> so I had to drive back there. But the line, it was an hour. It was an hour. And they said since 6 a.m., the line has not been shorter than an hour long wait. And I'm like, oh wow. People, yeah. And I there people are really good. Even like the, the advertising, like I just went to Google and instead of Google, it said go vote. And I'm like, wow. I mean, Beyonce I got on Twitter. She got, I mean, not Twitter, on Instagram and endorsed a candidate for Senate in Texas, which I was like, kind of low key. She's a little late. Like, she posted a couple hours ago, but <laughs> shout out to her for finally getting her act together. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it was the same in New York City. Um, I, a couple of my, um, the people who work in my office came in just like looking like they were completely harassed. Like the lines were so long. People like at one load, a voting location in Brooklyn, I heard like the the um, the what do you call it? Like the scanning machines or the vote scanner machines weren't working, and there was this massive line. Um, yeah, I just I I feel like everyone. It feels like I people knew there were gonna was gonna be like a record turnout, but it doesn't feel like the polling locations got the memo or like actually made any changes. To make it easier, because that yeah, and sucks. They're, they're already talking about voter um, suppression in Georgia. Oh um, yeah, where yeah, where um, I think it mostly um, some of the voting machines they didn't bring cords to like um, <laughs> to plug them in, and it's only mostly, of course, areas where minorities are. Isn't that so terrible? That guy is the worst in Georgia. Listen, I mean, I, I cast he, my vote in New York, but I'm watching. I'm watching my home state. I still consider Georgia because I'm like, please do the right thing, you guys. But also. It's really depressing because it's not just like a new thing for Georgia, this talk of voter su- suppression. Um, Brian Kemp, the Republican candidate, has been mm-hmm. 
actively trying to suppress votes. I mean, he's he literally is on the is uh, it manages elections for the state. That's like his job. That's, that's crazy. And then and he's been sued multiple times and found guilty of it, which I'm like, how is he allowed to still manage then these elections? It's outrage like that that I feel like is the reason there's such – I mean, I I almost feel like people have had this pent-up aggression. I mean, since day day one of – you know, day one post-apocalypse, post-2016 election night, everyone, we were depressed. You know, there was like this depression that fell over a lot, probably over more than half the country. But then it was like midterms, midterms. It became like mm-hmm. the, the chant, the chant that we shared, like two years, two years, we can finally do something. And I think that's why we're seeing such – crazy turnout but you know I, I just wish it was easier to vote man it should it, it should be so much easier well they did a lot of like um i saw like more than ever before that people voted um early like early voting i don't think new jersey has it because i definitely would have done it new york doesn't um, either which sucks yeah so it was just like i said i mean usually like my city uh or my town that i grew up westfield you know the, the turnout is pretty decent although like like you said i don't even know for it actually was there was more people for midterms than it was for the presidential election for when I when I went in. And I'm like, wow, people really? are really not playing. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, to be fair, it's not like I go the same time every year, but I don't remember ever waiting that long. I was like, wait. And then they had a little 90 year old lady who was like checking everyone in. I'm like, why do they have this lady here? She was super <laughs> nice. But when I tell you the line, I was like, oh, my God, like it didn't make sense. Like have her sit by the actual like like little I don't know voting booth and just hand you your your card because for her to have to find your name sign i'm like why do they have my grandma grandma doing this people were looking like what's happening and it's still like reams of paper they're like thumbing through to find your name on the on the list yeah. the voter registration documents i mean i just feel like it's so antiquated and it's been made i almost like this whole experience of this midterm election voting even me trying to figure out how to do absentee ballots because we vote um, in a county 30 minutes north of Manhattan, and I couldn't go vote today because of work stuff. So I went this weekend to try and vote. And like the address on the website wasn't actually the address where you can go pick up the ballots. And it was this whole runaround to finally get to the place where I had to cast my vote. And I'm just like, it. you know, we talk about voter suppression, the obvious ways, but I feel like the whole, the whole like way that but we have elections set up and the polling process and the voting process in this in this country is is a form of it just it naturally punishes people who don't have transportation yes. um who work 9 to 5 you know and can't get take off work to go vote and i would i would love to i don't know if i i just don't think voters rights and voters um and and the voting process is ever like a big campaign issue but i i wish it was cuz can you imagine like you can get a flu shot at Dwayne Reed what if you could vote you know, at the drugstore? Or what if you could cast a vote yeah. on your phone like you could for American Idol or something like that? I mean, so many studies have shown if like, the fact that like voter turnout, you know, is a, is a big reason why we have party lines the way that we do. And it's a big reason why Democrats and liberals or progressives often struggle um, in races like this, because the people who would vote for them are the least likely to show up. Yeah, no, you're right. It's definitely like, you know, we're all watching the Stacey Abrams race. We're all watching the Gilliam race. We're all watching just, oh, child, you know, you're just like, my heart, I just don't even want to, I'm just going to go to sleep and wake up. Because last time we thought we had it in the bag, we oh, woke no. up with a Cheeto for president. I have zero, zero hope. I mean, I ha- the, the hope that I have is like watching my baby brother in Atlanta who's been canvassing for Stacey Abrams for months now. Him and his friends canvassing, like 
this is, you know, say what you, obviously it's a terrible situation our country is in right now politically, but I can at least take hope in like the fact that young people are really feeling mobilized to, to get out there and get the vote out. And I don't, I don't know that Stacey Abrams might've run if, if um, 2016 hadn't happened. So that's true. Mm -hmm. There's that bright side. God, I hope she wins though. I know. I know. Come through Georgia. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh boy. So other than that, um, I had to do some real adulting today. My dad was like, whew, because, you know, like I mentioned last week or the week before last that I, I paid off here my mom's um, um, uh, mortgage. And he was like, you know, I didn't even mind paying my taxes today. I was like, taxes? <gasps> taxes. <laughs> I totally forgot. Superman and I have to pay taxes on our property because, you know, usually taxes come out with your mortgage. So you don't think about it. But like we don't have a mortgage on either of the properties. So I'm like, oh, man. So um, I had to do some real adulting and like add it to like my calendar. So that way it can send me a reminder because typically what they do in Newark, at least I don't know other towns is they'll give you the tax coupons for the year, but who's looking at that, you know? So, yeah. So I just went in my calendar and it was like, okay, November, February, whatever the other months are. And I I put it as a reminder. I I gave myself the link because you also have to know like your block lot number, which I guess is like where your property is actually located and your account number. So I did all of that. So as it pops up, I can be like taxes are due. I I did it like a few days before they're actually due. So I have time to transfer money if need be. But it was just like such an adulting day. Taxes, voting. Oh, my goodness. What next? I'm giving mean, birth. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, right? Yeah, that is hopefully. <laughs> if only it were that simple. Well, one last one quick thing. This is just a little giggle because we're all going to have like kind of like an abbreviated show. Did you see the young woman? <laughs> oh, this was funny. The young woman who um, created a pretend GoFundMe. Um, she was a black college student. She made $150,000 because she wore... Um, the red, um, uh, you know, uh, Magna hat and said like MAGA. MAGA. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And so she said, um, I can't pray for school and, you know, I can't, I can't hide it anymore. Um, I, you know, I have to just, I just have to say, she said, Oh, her name is a reformed Republican. This is on Twitter. I will not hide any longer. The left has made us feel like if us black Republicans, like as if us black Republicans should hide, but not anymore. Blacks for Trump. Walk away. <laughs> MAGA. And then she was like, um, you know, my parents, thank you so much for your overwhelming support. After seeing my tweet, my parents cut me off and refused to pay for my university tuition. So if you could find in your hearts to help this young black Republican pay for school, it would be appreciated. She started a GoFundMe. Oh, no. This girl raised $150,000 and it was like, psych. <laughs> Then she got a little freaked out because I think people were like, um, you know what? So she actually decided like, you know what? <laughs> she came, you know, that was her life. She even posted fake, um, fake texts. What? And so, and yeah. what now, where's the money going to go? Is she going to donate it to, I don't know. Cause she, or something. I don't know. She said, I don't know. So this is, <laughs> Oh my God. Some of the stuff that she said is crazy. She I'm said, Trump s- is a racist homophobic, transphobic, a bigot, and you think my black ASS would support that rotting carrot? Ridiculous. Any black person can put on an ugly hat and say MAGA, and y'all will instantly be up in name behind because you want to prove so hard that you're not racist. Mm-hmm. And she was like, um, so yeah, so she, I, I don't know how much of the money she's keeping, but I'm like, girl, someone wrote scam of the century. 
But she's not wrong. Like, come on. She's like every white Republican's black. They want to make her their black friend. They do. And I was just like, wow. And I was, I just thought that that was hilarious. And I think that, um, I think she said she was going to get back the money. Meanwhile, she said, um, she refunded most of the donation. No, I don't think she refunded all of them. Yeah. So I think that I just thought that that was hilarious that how, how quickly people will jump on and give money to a stranger (laughs) if it supports their racist agenda. And um, yeah, good for you. You know, I hope you're one of the people that she got. (laughs) (laughs) That's a little, a little giggle for the night. A little giggle. Thanks for that. Let's take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Okay, it's time for Brown Bruce Brown Break. Hopefully by the time you hear this, the elections we will be celebrating and we'll be all giddy and you'll be listening to this like yes good things good things good things and even if everyone we wanted to win did not win still you know um your vote really matters and i saw a really great quote that it said if your vote didn't matter they wouldn't they wouldn't try so hard to suppress it so just remember that yes is that your boost um yeah i guess so vote Mm, okay i'll give you i mean i'll let you get an easy one I have a um, a slightly off-topic boost. I want to – well, this is actually a break. I'm going to break, but I'll do a little boost just to end on a high note. So first of all, I I came across this survey recently, and I just had to mention it. So it's a survey by AARP, and what reminded me of this is my my, – one of my cousins just sent me a Facebook invite for like her Pampered Chef, you know, group on Facebook, and I was like, oh, God, not another one. And like another cousin is doing like Lulu – what is it, LuLaRoe? And then I got the one cousin who's selling like tea, you know, like the the make you lose weight tea. And I'm like, oh my God, multi-level marketing people. Like they're just, they drive me crazy. And I just think that, you know, I have a, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty adamant that in my mind, at least just from experience or talking to people that a lot of multi-level marketing organizations, you know, where you take a, oh, I became a LuLaRoe seller and I made $5,000. So I'll teach you how to be one and here, buy all this inventory and then you sell it and you can make a bunch of money. Pyramid schemes is another way that they've been, you know, another term for these MLM um, organizations. They're just really not the best deal for the people at the bottom of the pyramid. That's the whole point. Um, And now there's a little bit of proof. So AARP put out a survey and found that among 20 million Americans who participate or who have participated in multi-level marketing organizations, 90% said they got involved to make money, obviously. However, nearly half lost money and one quarter made no money at all. No money at all, which is sad. I mean, this is a multi billion dollar industry and it and I'm especially talking to our listeners because I feel like um a lot of the people that are targeted for these type of organizations are are often women and often minority women. 
Um, yeah. And it can really, you can negatively impact, I feel like it's negatively impacting minority women in this country because they're being sold a bill of goods to sign up for these, you know, different organizations and sell this or sell that. And they're not actually reaping any rewards from them. Uh, you, you just have to be so careful. I feel like people always target, you know, this population of folks. Um, I mean, have you have you heard the other one too, where it's like um, uh, the the sweepstakes? You know those sweepstakes? No, which the, which one? The ones where they come to your house with the big clearinghouse sweepstakes. Oh yeah, publishing yeah. clearinghouse. That's Pub- like been yeah. there forever. Yes, and so you know, so there's like a, this scam that was going on, but it targets these type of things. Typically, target the older population. And so if you've got older people in your life, really checking in on them, because it's very easy for people to get over because, you know, you get to a certain age, I feel like you're maybe a little bit more trusting, a little bit more open. I don't know. So this is terrible, honestly. So what's the high note, Mandra? Well, first, let me, well, before I get to the high note, I will say, I know this is a very hot topic. I'm sure we'll get some emails who are mad at me for mentioning MLMs. But listen, the proof's in the pudding, okay? Less than than half of people, according to the survey, um, or not, uh, nearly half of people, according to the survey, lost money and one quarter made no money. So before you sign up for your BFFs or your aunts, you know, to sell this or sell that, just actually look at the math and see if you really will um, uh, make any wealth from that type of um, organization. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm unabashedly anti-MLM. I'm, I don't care. People like will be like, oh, but Tiffany, like, I get it that Avon and um, um, what is the other one that actually is like a kind of like a real um, a Mary Kay. I get it. But you know what? The fact is, if you're not most people, are, the level of work required, most people don't have the time or the inclination. So even if it's actually like a real company, which most are not real, I mean, they might be real companies on paper, but like not real company in actuality. Um, most people don't have the, you know, it, it takes a lot of selling. You have to really have a certain personality for it. So most people are just not built for it. I know I'm not, not for that, not for someone else's company. So it's usually just not a good thing unless for, it's almost like, um, what are those things called when, uh, uh, you go on that little cheap vacation and then they try to sell you, a, um, what are those things? Uh, timeshares, timeshare, timeshares yeah. work out for like 2% of people who buy them. Yep. You know, like, so is a timeshare completely like nobody should ever buy a timeshare? No, I've literally met a handful of people where it worked out amazingly. But for 98.99% of the people, timeshare is a terrible idea. So I'm going to make a blanket statement and say, don't do a timeshare. Don't do an MLM. Because for most people, it just doesn't work out. And if you're one of the one to two percent that it works out great, you're at the top of the pyramid. You made your million while everybody else has suffered. You suck, boo. Let's no. <laughs> <laughs> be petty. Okay, that was my that was my break, and I and I'm interested to see what you guys have to say about MLM. So send us an email at brownambitionpodcast at gmail dot com or hit us up on Twitter at the BA Podcast. You can Instagram us at Brown Ambition Podcast. We are everywhere. If you can't find us, it's your problem. (laughs) All right. So my high note, I I almost – I caught myself from doing my boost during the previous question that we answered about credit cards. But I did want to give a boost to the little workhorse that is a city double cash card um, because it has been so clutch for us. I don't know if – well, you guys are just starting your renovation, but especially for all the little things that we've purchased for the house – 
Um, like I said, there's no like reward. There aren't very good home improvement rewards cards. Like you can get a Home Depot card or a Lowe's card, but they don't have the best benefit. And then you don't get any rewards if you don't shop outside of those stores. So we've been using City Double Cash to get 2% cash back on all purchases you use the card for. And we've made, I was just looking at my statement, I think we've made close to $800 cash back in just the last um, few months. And it's not the only reason that this card is awesome. And it sounds like I'm doing an ad, but I promise this is I'm not endorsing them. We don't get paid by them. It's just a cool card that I like. Um, they also have this feature called City Price Rewind, which have you ever used this card or this benefit? No, but I'm if, looking into it. City no. Price, it is so clutch. So my husband has become this amazing deal hound for, you know, me buying an oven or a washer or dryer or um, even the toilets or smoke detectors or what these little things that you buy. And City Price Rewind, if you buy it with your city card, if the price drops, I think it's, I forget what the time period is, but it's a good amount of time in the future. They will actually, they will actually find if a price drops. And if it does, they will refund you the money. So we have saved, mm. I need to add it up, but I know we've saved about $500 or more, um, excuse me, from the price of our washer dryer dropped a couple hundred dollars um, at Best Buy. Mm. And you don't have to do anything. Like it just does the work for you. And then you get an okay. email. Yeah. What is it called again? I'm going to apply. So it's the city, I don't, it's a city price, sorry, it's a city double cash card and the feature is called city price rewind and they may offer that benefit for other city cards. I'm not entirely sure, but definitely on the city double cash card they do and it has city been awesome. Okay. No, because I remember I signed up for the, um, you know, Chase, what is it really, really called? The Chase, the one where it's 100,000 points. Oh, like yeah, yeah. The Chase Sapphire Reserve. Yeah, so I signed up for the Chase Sapphire. Ooh, you know what? I think I told Jeannie Mai the wrong thing. Oh, well, anyway. Because I was on the reel. She was asking me, like, what card do you have? And, you know me. I'm like, why are you asking me questions that I have to remember things? I was like, the Venture. She's like, you like that better than the Reserve? I was like, yeah, girl. Meanwhile, I don't have the Venture. <laughs> anyway, she should be fine. I shouldn't be okay. your Jesus of, of credit cards. She's not called the um, credit card niece to you guys. <laughs> But it wasn't on live. It was just like her personally. Um, but anyway, I got that card. And I Superman was just saying we need to get, because we're starting to get into the, like right now, the thing that the contractors is doing, we haven't had to buy anything yet. Um, so, but, you know, we're getting into the stage where we're going to, like we have to buy a tub and we have to start getting um, tile. And so I think it's time for us. So Superman wanted to get like a Home Depot card, but I think I like this better because we're not just getting things from Home Depot. So, hmm, city double cash card. He's going to be so pissed when I tell him Mandy suggested. He's going to be like, I suggested we get a card. I'm like, I know, but the wrong one. You know how, like, I always follow advice from other people sometimes more than, you know, the source eventually. And, um, that's okay. Don't, you know, don't tell okay. him I said it. Just just be like, oh, remember when you said that that really smart thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm learning, right? I'm going to be like, you know what, babe? You were totally right. So I started to look into cards. And I said, well, what instead of that, let's should get this. You're so smart. That's exactly what I'll do. See? Look at us. Wifing 101. <laughs> and I will note, because we noted the Chase Sapphire Reserve has a high annual fee, $450. To say double cash, what makes it even better is that there's no annual fee. And there's no foreign transaction fee either. So if you need... If you're looking for a no annual fee travel card, I mean, it has, uh, it's just a great all around card. There's even, I think, an intro balance transfer offer. It's, it's pretty dope. I'm, I don't know what took me so long to sign up for this card, but I love it. Love it. Love it. And that is my boost. 
Okay. I, I carried the weight of that brown boost brown break today. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You did. You did. You did. That, was, that was you. All of you, boo boo. <laughs> yeah. Let's get let's get into this this email inbox and answer some questions. How about that? Okay. So you guys know you can hit us up at brownambitionpodcast.com. Okay. And uh, I, I left it. I'm like opening, like the goalpost is open. All you got to do is bring it home, Tiff. My bad. Brownambitionpodcast.com. Dot com. Got it. And ask us anything on the website or you can email us directly at brandambitionpodcast at gmail.com with your questions. Yeah. We have a couple of awesome questions for today. What should we start with? Okay, so this one, this law school student, um, I think I like her question. So we'll start with her. She asked to be remain, remain anonymous. Her question is a cry for help. She says, hello, I'm a first year law student at a prestigious law school. I'm 22 years old and will be approaching 25 when I graduate. I currently have $11,000 in student loan debt from my undergrad, but I'm on track to have $150,000 in debt from law school. I'd like to know what I can do to become more knowledgeable about finances so I can make the best financial decisions in law school and after. My goal is to be debt-free by 30, and my credit score is currently 730 help so how much debt does she currently have or he currently she has she only has eleven thousand dollars in debt right now from undergrad but she's on track to have so over three years it's not unusual actually three years of law school she'll have a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt which a lot of it like many law school students she doesn't say but i'm assuming a lot of that is going to be private school debt because well, I think you max out a certain level of federal student loans you can take, or maybe I'm wrong, but it could be federal or private, but 150K. Ouch. So Ooh. let's talk about her options because she knows she's graduating with this debt. She wants to get ahead of it. Honestly, I would put a lot of work, and I didn't do this, and I'm kind of disappointed because I'm sure I could have gotten at least some um, assistance. I would put like, I'm, I'm assuming you're not in law school yet. So whatever that kind of six months, a year breakup, I guess, I don't know, from when you graduate undergrad to when you enter law school. Well, she is. I, she says I'm a first year law school student. So oh, it so sounds she's like she's already, already in school. Yep. Oh, okay. Because honestly, one of the regrets that I made when I went, when I got my master's degree is that I didn't put hardly any effort into looking for like scholarships and assistance, you know? Mm -hmm. And even if it was $10,000, like over time of the interest that that $10,000 accrued and what I owe now, um, it would have saved me a lot of money. Um, so it's not too late, obviously, but I, you know, I would set aside some time to look to see what kind of assistance you can possibly drum up because, um, student loan forgiveness, they've already changed. I, I was reading an article, but forgiveness is not the same. Like, you know, the president had been threatening um, to dismantle student loan forgiveness, at least as we know it. And for the most part, he has. So um, the the ability to get your loans forgiven is not the, you just don't have the same opportunity to do so. Um, and I just, I mean, one of my mentees is a, is a, is a law, um, a lawyer now, but I remember when she first graduated, yo, her, her loan payment, Mandy, was like $900 a month. And oh, I was like, wait, I've heard worse. I've heard I double, said, wait, what? triple that. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I don't even know what that means. She was like, so I'm never, I'm just never going to move out of my mom's house. I'm just, I'm just going to live here forever. And thankfully she opened up her scope of where she, she, she could work. Cause she's from Jersey. She ended up finding a job in Connecticut. I want to say that paid really, really well. So, um, so one of the things I remember she wanted to get a really fancy apartment and I talked her into not doing so. I think the apartment she wanted to get was like, uh, 22 or $2,300 a month. And I was like, Menti, I hear you, but then you're just going to be beholden to that apartment. So I was able to go online and find like a less expensive apartment. I think we found one for like 1700, but it was still really nice. It was actually really close to where she was working. So if you can't find assistance, like with your actual loans, just making sure that you're making the right choices with how you're spending the money. Cause I'm assuming right in law school that some of that money is used for, for like housing and all that kind of stuff. Correct. Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what law school. No, I, I don't know. I'm assuming it's for tuition and room and board, but I don't know for sure. I I want to say with law school, one, you're entering what, I don't know what your focus is going to be, but what could potentially be um, a really high paying job. And the law school grads that I know, a couple of my friends in New York have managed to pay off their student loan debt and it was six figures as well within a few years because with law schools, private law firms, you have the opportunity to make bonuses and really fat um, signing bonuses even sometimes. And then you get like annual bonuses that help pay off those student loans. So it's different, you know, a law school grad versus like, I don't know, a teacher with $150,000, you know, student loan debt. It's almost less scary. I mean, it's still obviously a ton of debt, but because of your profession, you may be set up to pay it off a lot more quickly than other professions. And Tiff, you mentioned um, loan forgiveness programs. There a lot of states offer um, loan assistance programs for lawyers, if you're willing to, like nurses or teachers, if you're willing to work in certain areas, um, less desirable areas or areas where there's um, higher poverty rates. They sometimes offer um, loan forgiveness through those programs. And there's a, uh, a website called the Equal Justice Works Directory. I'm getting this information from um, our Magnify Money's Guide to Loan Forgiveness, where we break it down by profession. So I'm Happy to send this your way uh, because there are some state programs maybe you want to look into for loan forgiveness. Um, and you can't, I know, private if they're private student loans and they're, you have you graduate and they have pretty high interest rates, you can look into refinancing um, your student loans to get a lower interest rate, especially if your credit score, like you said, is 730. That's awesome. And you may be able to yeah. refinance and get a lower rate um, after you get out of school and stay on top of those. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I mean, because you luckily you're in a profession that does tend to pay, you know, pay really well. But you're also entering into per, into a profession that that where it garners just a lot of debt. So just being mindful of how much you're borrowing, that you're you're not borrowing more than you need. And two, afterwards, making choices that are going to allow you to pay that debt off faster. Yes, ma'am. And don't start living that high paid lawyer lifestyle as soon as you start getting paid because remember, you yes. haven't actually earned the money yet, you know, like yep. take it paycheck by paycheck and don't just don't forget about that debt. And any, you know, she mentions that um, if you're in law school, you can get a good summer internship that may net you up to $30,000 in one summer. Okay, great. So see if you can go ahead and make payments on your student loans to get ahead of it because she says that um, that $150,000 is already starting to accrue interest. Mm -hmm. So if you can make a payment even while you're in school, that would obviously be um, even better. 
Yeah. Yeah. But good luck and let me know what, what area of law you go into. Maybe I'll give you a call one day <laughs> and uh, maybe be a client. Who knows? Thank you for your question. All right. Next question. This comes from another anonymous listener. Okay. She says another, you know, our last episode last week was a little bit about financial FOMO. She has kind of a credit card FOMO experience. She says, one of my coworkers recently shared with me how she's been able to fund all of her fabulous trips with her husband with travel and rewards credit cards. I'd like to sign up for one so my husband can take more trips, but I'm not sure which is the best option. And also I don't want to have too much open credit available. We're in good financial standing with 800 plus credit scores, but don't want to jeopardize our position by overextending ourselves. Question is, is there a certain number of credit cards that are too much? And what is the best option if we're looking for travel and rewards credit cards to maximize points for travel? Sincerely anonymous. Well, I understand not wanting to have too much credit cards open. Um, I don't know that there's like a specific number. I mean, there are like those super travel hacker guys who have like a ton. I feel like two or three is fine, I guess. I mean, three or less, but I don't, I feel like it it really all depends on how responsible you are. Three or less. I have like 10. I don't know how I I got 10, but I have 10. (laughs) But I mean, also you're responsible. So it's kind of like, well, to me, it really depends on your level of, responsibility. So, you know, you, you could have a ton of cards and you've got this great utilization rate because you're not utilizing as much credit as you could. And that's fine. Um, and you can have one and be like, I'm good to rock out with this. I feel like it really just depends on, it's not so many, how many cards, but how, how you're using them. And honestly, the best way to use cards, um, if you're wanting to use it for travel, if you are responsible enough to do this, is to put your bills on one on that travel card and then pay it off in full every month. And then that way you're earning as many points as possible, paying things you were going to pay anyway. But to me, that's like, you know, graduate level usage of credit cards, because what you don't want is to put your bills on a card and not be able to pay. So now you owe bills and you owe a credit card. But if you're, you know, you've got a great automated system and you're like, you know, the household bills are you know, $3,000, $5,000 a month, and we could pay that off every month because we pay the bills anyway. You know, you could certainly try that. I know people who do that and, and get one or two trips a year. Uh, what I do, because I have a business, is that one of my um, uh, marketing cards is uh, a travel rewards card. And so I spend a lot of money on marketing. And so it can earn me anywhere from sometimes three trips a year, certainly enough um, for flights, like three or four flights a year. So that's the way I use that because we pay, my business pays off its credit card every month. So I earn a good amount of uh, trips plus two. I, I travel a lot. And so I use, I earn a lot of money and, or a lot of flights and points. So that's what I would suggest that there's nothing wrong with a credit card if used wisely. Um, but the only way you're going to really earn enough points to do so is that if you actually use that card and actually use it a lot. And the easiest way to use it a lot is to use it for things you're paying for anyway. Yeah, if, if traveling, I would say the best travel credit cards out there are ones that give you the most points for traveling. So if you don't already travel consistently, it can be difficult to accrue enough points to make the card really worth it. Um, and there are cards that maybe you can spend enough to earn that sign up bonus, which is nice. And maybe you'll get like 50,000 points and you can take a trip somewhere. But then after that, you may find it hard to accrue enough points to really make 
you know, a meaningful debt and travel expenses unless you're really continuing to um, spend a large amount in the key categories where you earn the most points, which, you know, for like the top cards, like Chase Sapphire Reserve, for example, you only get three points back on travel-related purchases um, or not travel and dining purchases. So if you don't travel a lot or eat out a lot, then maybe it wouldn't be the most, you know, wouldn't make the, the most sense for you. Um, there's like flat rate cashback cards that maybe yeah. – um, if you're not, you know, if you don't have any specific spending in any one category, um, you know, a flat back, a flat cash back card, like a city double cash card or Ally has a new credit card, I think gives you 2% cash back on some purchases. There are, there's, I, I like having a good, um, and I'll tell you through this, through our renovation, for example, we have been charging um, everything. Cause it's not like a, it doesn't fit any particular rewards category. Um, the, the spending like for tile and for toilets and crap, unfortunately there's no toilet credit card. Um, but we've been <laughs> using a flat back, a flat rate cash back card, the city double cash. And we've made hundreds of dollars back, um, in our, in our spending so far, which is nice. And then I have my travel card for travel related purchases that I use, um, strategically there. And if you're looking, I know you want, I know you want the best option. There's so many. I'm going to send a link to a couple of roundups on best travel credit cards, and then you can maybe pick the one that's right for you. Yeah. That fits your lifestyle. So depending on basically what kind of spending you do. So, you know, Mandy's right. Sometimes you're like, oh, and, and too, you know, as you're, as you start to travel more, if the card does work, really get loyal to an airline. Because that's going to help maximize your card. So you look wherever you fly out of, typically, what airline has a hub there? So for me, I live in Newark, so nine times out of ten, I'm flying out of Newark. And the hub for um, United has their hub in Newark, so I'm loyal to United. Um, not because of United in particular, but because I know that I'm I'm going to have to fly United anyway, typically. So it, I'm able to earn points. So even if like I just came back, I just take the reel. In LA, so even though I didn't pay for my flight, the the producers did. I still got to earn points, so I always remember to add my points. So that way, I'm adding earning points um, from the actual airline, and I'm earning points from the actual card. And so, when you know, when it's ne the next time I go to travel somewhere, sometimes I'll buy um, my points with my airline points, and then I'll buy my husband's uh, flight with his um with the with the card points. And so that way, everybody wins. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you make purchases for your office too, it's a good chance yeah. to, to earn rewards. So and Groupon thanks. is your friend. Have you ever, have you ever gone on a Groupon trip, Mandy? Yeah, I did once. We went to Turkey using a Groupon like in 2013. Did you like it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was, it was cool. It was, and you know what? It was funny because we, we got like a, a package tour of Turkey where it was like airfare travel, lodging, all that included. And then um, we were mentioning the Groupon because I just assumed everybody used the Groupon, but like a lot of people didn't use the Groupon. They just booked it <laughs> through the, and they got really mad, but we, oh! <laughs> we paid like a thousand bucks less. Yeah, it was dope. Yeah. Yeah. So that too, think about, you know, like so there's, you could get really creative with travel. Like what I've been on like three or four Groupon and I've never had a bad time and I've never had like a scammy time. And two, there's a, a if you're looking to travel to Europe, I love europeandestinations.com. I found like I did Greece and Turkey one year. I think it was 1250. It included all flights, all hotels, and you get to pick your own hotel, so I made sure to pick hotels that had breakfast included for $1250. And I think we were gone, it was my sister and I. 
um, I think we were gone for, um, I don't want, I want to say it was seven to 10 days. I think it was about, so it was, and it was amazing. So we got to go to Athens, we got to go to Santorini, Greece, and we got to go to Istanbul, Turkey for $1,200. And like I said, included flight from, from New Jersey. No, I think we left from New York to Greece and from Greece to Santorini, which is also Greece and Santorini to Istanbul and then back home. So there are deals out there, even if it's not like free vacations, they, there are definitely deals out there to be had. Exactly. And I'm going to send you that link to a couple of, you know, good travel rewards card options. And again, these are the cards that, you know, if we mentioned credit cards on the show, they're just the cards that we like, you know, you've got to find the card that's right for you. Um, and we don't, endorse any particular card for any reason other than that we it fits our lives and we like it right yeah. Tiff yeah it's like my get up and go you better go ahead chase card remember <laughs> I could never get the name right <laughs> <laughs> the chase good time card <laughs> get you a flight chase card I'm like wait what card is that <laughs> it sounds like those um those commercials that they do to um that they do to um to focus like on the, their black demographic so they have to get extra like, hey, 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 got you a car chase card. And you're like, <laughs> you didn't have to do all of that. <laughs> yeah. Or they make a hip hop beat for it. You're like, um, you know, I like country music, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you want to take one more question? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. Those are the two I chose. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine by me. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.